1: At the game week, Spartan Nation, we're just a few short days away from kickoff between the number 11 Michigan State Spartans and the number 13 Pittsburgh Panthers from the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Been a lot of buildup in discussion surrounding this game. We've had a few weeks to prepare for it, uh, but we're about to dive headfirst into the matchup on episode 61 of m Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Right and champion, Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, December 27th, 2021 final show of the year fellas uh, hope everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas you may have noticed we took last week off but Kyle what's up you get anything good from Santa this year uh,
2: I mean I got the normal boring adult stuff uh, I'm to the point now where I, I get more excited about my kids gifts you know like like my son got this awesome Batman robot that uh, that he that he loves and <laughs> I'm like I'm like a little kid again I get more
1: excited for my four-year-olds gifts than I get for my own. Nice work, solid dad, dad duties yeah. there. But uh, Matt, did uh, you mentioned you got some some snazzy new AirPods? But uh, any any gifts you were uh, liked giving out, or what was the highlight of Christmas for you? <laughs>
0: oh man, you're putting the pressure on me now. I um, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I don't know. Got my wife a, a trip too, to the see something. Uh, there's an office pop up thing in Chicago. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw that. So that's one of the things I got that was, uh, yeah, interesting, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I hope everyone out there, all our listeners had a good Christmas. Hope you got everything you want. Hope you got to spend some time with family and just kind of unplug and chill for a little bit. It's crazy world we live in these days. And especially if you're a sports person, it's uh, we see the craziness and chaos going on all over the place. So uh, hopefully Christmas was an opportunity to just kind of put that aside and hang out with friends and family. Um, but uh, we got a show to do. Uh, Michigan State football has a, a huge game coming up this week down in Atlanta. It's a New Year's Six game against the old, our old friend Pat Narduzzi and the Pit Panthers, the champions of the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, <laughs> this year. Matt and I will both be making the trip down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm sure there'll be plenty of Spartans there as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll sort of attack the game from all sorts of different angles on today's episode if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening, check out our work on coverage at MLive.com slash Spartans. You can also hit us up on Twitter, send us email if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you know how to do it. But let's get into it, guys. Uh, the Peach Bowl coming up on Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. kick from Atlanta. Uh, the game's on ESPN, it's the first of the New Year's Six Bowl games to kick off. Uh, I mean, if you want to look at at Pitt and, uh, you know, they're 11 and two. I mentioned they won the ACC wins this year against UMass, Tennessee on the road, New Hampshire, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse and Wake Forest in the ACC championship. Losses to Miami and Western Michigan, who is throttling, throttling Nevada uh, in the, in the Quicklane Bowl as we speak. Um, so maybe that'll be an interesting topic of conversation here. But Michigan State leads the all-time series, six wins to none. They also have one tie. The last meetings were in 2006 and 2007. So uh, not two teams that play too often. Um, but they obviously have the obvious connection uh, with Narduzzi. Guys, uh, I think we talked. You know, when the when the peach ball was first announced, that you know we we wondered what the biggest storyline would be, and and Matt, you had said you know Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker potentially going head to head. We now know that neither of them will be playing in the game. Um, so, I mean, how interesting do you find the Narduzzi angle? Let's just start there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, because of the time he spent here and the connections, and you, you also have the, you know, a connection um, with their interim offensive coordinator, Tim Salem, who, you know, Mark Whipple left for Nebraska, so he's the, uh, Tim's the uh, tight ends coach, he's going to call plays in the Peach Bowl, he's the brother of Brad Salem, who was longtime assistant under Mark D'Antonio at one time the OC, and his son worked in recruiting uh, at Michigan State when D'Antonio was there, so that's interesting, I mean, I think the stuff on the field will always carry it. You know, the Narduzzi storyline is of interest, and there's there's something there clearly. Um, but you want to see the good, a good game. I mean, you it's now lacking in the top star par, power, obviously, but you still got playmakers out there. Pitt still got the Blitnikoff Award winner and Jordan Anderson, Addison, excuse me, and Michigan State's got talent, and you know, see what they can do without Walker in there, and maybe open open it up offensively, um, throwing the ball more for for Peyton Thorne.
2: My sense has always been like, like fans see coaches and they attach them to schools, but it seems like the more I do this and the more coaches you talk to, they think about it as other coaches that you're with, not schools you're with. And I would, I mean, to get in Pat's head, but to me, it's like, he would think of his time at Michigan state more about Mark D'Antonio than about like Michigan state, you know, and unless it's your alma mater, like if, if Mark were still here, then to me, it would be a much bigger deal. But to me, um i'm guessing pat's time at michigan state was much more about you know being with mark d'antonio and that staff and it sort of loses a little bit there the same way like we used to ask mark d'antonio about michigan state i always got the sense that that was a jim tressel thing um and and he loved jim tressel you know and had more of a connection to him personally than the school so um that's why like i it seems like pat is completely downplaying it not making it a thing that seems to be why but um uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, I mean, it's still notable, but I, I think that's kind of the disconnect I think between like fans and coaches, how they think of it and how, how we think of it.
1: Was he still downplaying it when you talked to him yesterday on the zoom call? Was he, I mean, because
2: it
0: didn't really come up. I mean, we, he got asked about that, you know, enough when the the day the bowl was announced multiple questions, I believe I remember writing and, and it, I don't think it came up at all yesterday. Um, I have to see. We talked to Tim Salem today, and he said he does know the fight song, um, but he wasn't mm-hmm. going to sing it today. So that's, that's <laughs> well, about as close as the as the coach uh, the pit coaches MSU ties uh, came up today.
1: Well, Kyle, you mentioned Mark D'Antonio, and I, I know D'Antonio has been like. I mean, he obviously talks to Narduzzi all the time. Um, I mean, I, I've read. I think I saw on ESPN that like you know he had even been sort of advising uh Narduzzi uh, to a certain extent throughout the season and he's been in Pittsburgh like we've know he we've seen him visit him this year and he obviously has the relationship with Michigan State as well being on the sideline being in the locker room with Mel Tucker holding Paul Bunyan after the Michigan game I, I mean I, I know that Mark D'Antonio isn't you know officially a coach with either of these schools anymore but he obviously has ties to both just I mean and you guys might not even know but like how do you see him like handling this week because it like he obviously has allegiances to both sides and he knows things about both sides. Do you, do you think he's kind of just taking a hands-off approach when it, when it comes to this matchup? I mean, uh, it's just interesting. I think that Mark D'Antonio is kind of playing monkey in the middle with the two programs. Now, I yeah, would think so. Yeah. I
2: mean, like you've got, and like we talked about the school that you played at, you know, that you coached at for a long time and, you know, guys like Harlan, um, you know, are still there and, and you're, Probably the one coach most associated with Mark D'Antonio, um, just given that Pat's, you know, had success as a head coach and he's still a head coach. Um, yeah, I would imagine there's some there's some push and pull there and he'll probably just take a backseat in it.
0: What Kyle said, he pretty much covered it. I think that that's uh, a situation where you're you're just kind of stuck and you have ties on both sides and, um, you know, just sit it out hope for a good game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that's just kind of some of the, you know, the outside storylines looking in, but obviously the main storyline that people have been talking about coming in is Kenneth Walker uh, from Michigan state opting out and Kenny Pickett, uh, the Heisman finalist quarterback for Pitt opting out. And I think Pitt had some opt-outs on defense as well, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe, I, maybe I just missed that. But I mean, how, how do you guys feel about the whole opt-out thing? It's It's been a uh, it's been a, a hot topic of conversation, and it has been for these last few years as this be- has become more prevalent. You know, personally, I I can see both sides. Where like you know the old school like team guy in me wants wants to see guys finish it out, but you know when you're a first second round pick, you're risking millions of dollars. You're putting it on the line, and we've seen some guys you know Bryce Love, Jake Butt, others that have gotten injured in this last bowl game, and it has had negatively affected their NFL career. So you can see the business decision side of things, but Matt, how do you, how do you look at the whole opting out, uh, trend?
0: I mean, I don't blame these guys one bit if they're doing what's in their best interest. If you're Kenneth Walker, if you're Kenny Pickett and you're that close to the NFL, these, this dream, you've been working at your, your entire life. That's so hard to achieve. And it's, it's right there. I mean, it's all, you know, the risk is all on the player, Now, sure you could get some sort of insurance policy, and, you know, Jake Butt did that, you know, before he got hurt, but still, if you get hurt, you get hurt, and it's going to cost you, so, I, I mean, I don't blame these guys at all for for doing what they feel is in their best interest, and Mel said the same all along, so I have zero problem with it at all.
2: The, the thing about these Bulls, and I mean, I know they're fun to watch, and I know you get a trophy or anything, but... Like, like it doesn't, it's completely separate from your regular season when you're trying to compete for a conference championship. Um, and, and, you know, if guys start opting out in November when you're in a playoff, when you're in a conference championship run or trying to get to the playoff. To me, that's different as far as, you know, you know, quote unquote quitting on your team or whatever. But like, to me, like, a bowl to me has always just kind of been like an extra game, you know, like you, you've you played the regular season, you've done your, you know, you're done with the conference standing. The bo- It's a month later. A lot of times these teams to me look very different um, after that much time off. And yeah, I don't have any problem with, uh, with guys that want to sit out, especially given what's at stake for these guys, just because um, to me, the real season is already done.
1: I've heard coaches count the bowl game as, in a lot of ways, the start of the next season. I've heard them say Mm -hmm. that, where they're like – Cause cause a lot of times, you know, guys are either, you know, moving on somewhere else. Some are going to the NFL. We have the opt outs now, but uh, you know, a lot of times you have younger guys or backups who weren't playing as much during the regular season that get more opportunities in bowl games and guys sort of coaches, you know, you get the 15 extra practices where you might be giving younger guys more reps uh, to prepare for the next season in spring ball. Um, so I've heard a lot of coaches be like, yeah, it's sort of it is still like technically on our record part of this season it's the core that is the team that earned the spot in that bowl but in a lot of ways it's sort of the next step for preparing for the next wave or the next guys to slide up in the depth chart so I guess the question is when it comes to opt-outs is you know when does it stop being when does it stop being about the team and it's more like you know this is about me because the entirety that they're on campus, they're, you know, theoretically, at least playing for the university, playing for the team, playing for their teammates. At some point it becomes more like it's where it it becomes more about the individual player because I mean, that's their future. They're trying to make a livelihood out of it. So I guess it's just sort of trying to figure out where that crossover happens and it makes sense for it to happen before a bowl game. And you notice nobody's opting out
2: from the playoff at least that I've
1: seen. Right. Um, I don't want to so, see that. No, if and that starts happening, that'd be bad. But okay. you
2: asked where the line is. To me, that seems to be where the line is right now. And that's not to say it can't change at some point, but it seems to be like if you're competing for a championship, conference championship, national championship, you're there playing. Once that's done, uh, which is every bowl except for the ch- semifinal bowls, then uh, yeah, opt out if, if that's in your best interest. And you know, Mel, Mel Tucker, to his credit, seems to be completely on board with that um, and supporting everyone who does. Matt's, uh, Matt's working on the <laughs> headphones in there. I see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, I'll, I'll say that the thing that about Michigan States that it's not technically an opt out thing, but I find it very interesting that so many guys are in the portal yet playing in the game from, from Michigan state. Um, that's kind of a new one. Um, it, it surprises me a little bit. I know Pat Narduzzi came out and said, he's not a fan of it. And once you leave a team, um, you should, you shouldn't be there. I, I guess I feel like if players are okay with those guys, still being on the team and being their teammates and the coaches are okay with it, then, you know, no one else have a problem. Pat doesn't want to let those guys play on his team. That's fine. But um, if Michigan state, if everyone suited up for Michigan state, um, you know, is okay with those 10 guys or whatever it is. I, 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 it's strange to me, but um, I, you know, I'm not, I, if they don't have a problem with it, then I don't think I should, I guess.
1: I remember what my point was. If you, if you don't want guys opting out and the line's going to be the playoff, the, obvious solution is to just expand the playoff. Like I don't understand. There's so many reasons why expanding the playoff makes sense at this point. And the powers that be just don't want to do it. Like fans can see it. Media members can see it. I, I don't understand it, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. And another point that you mentioned, I'm I'm with uh, you know, the peach bowl, you mentioned how it's sort of just like an extra game. And some people have called it a glorified I- exhibition, I think that's fair. I don't want to say it doesn't matter though, because I do think these bowl games matter for, for program reasons in a lot of ways and for player development reasons. I mean, it's just funny to me that like before, like we had the BCS, right. But we had two teams that made the championship game and that was accepted as the national championship, but people still really cared about the Rose bowl and the cotton bowl and these big bowl games. But then we had two teams to a playoff and all of a sudden all the bowl games are chopped liver. I guess it's just kind of like an interesting case study and how the mindset has changed so quickly because the playoff was introduced. I mean, do you view the, the New Year Six as just, a, as just a glorified exhibition, or do you think they still carry a lot of weight?
0: I mean, I think, I think it depends on the program, depends on the game. I mean, if you're Michigan State, this is a significant game. They haven't played a New Year's Six Bowl in six years as a team that went two and five last year, obviously. It's a, you know, a, a program that appears to be you know, heading in the right direction under a second-year coach, so it's a big deal. Now, if you're Ohio State, where the expectation is to win the national championship every year and going to the Rose Bowl seems like, by all indications, like a deflating end to the season, I, I think you know every situation is different. Now, I, is there greater value in the Peach Bowl than the, uh, you know, the Quick Lane Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. You know, it's, it's still a New Year's Six game. You know, it's in the playoff rotation. It is a real bowl game that treats it as such. Um, but I, I think it just depends every year, you know, which program it is, you know, what the situation and individually but for the players, if it's if it's worth it for them to,
2: you know, keep playing to risk it one more time. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kyle? No, just that Ohio State was the exact example I was going to think of, too. Just uh, I think I read they, they handed back like a pretty significant portion of their tickets because they're fans who typically travel very well. Just like, oh, it's not a playoff game. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. Wow. <laughs> right. But I mean, Spoiled I say, much? Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I will say, I am i don't think they've had any opt-outs, not that I've seen, which surprises me. I, I would have guessed their opt-out number would be high. So um, credit to the players. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're all in on the Rose Bowl and we want to play in it. Uh, we still got a couple of days though, so maybe not. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah. Like to Matt's point, it just depends on the program and how recently have you been Um, and um, how much does it matter to your program?
1: All right. Well, we'll get on to some, you know, maybe some on the field stuff here and sort of look closer at the matchup and what Pitt and Michigan State both bring to the table. Uh, But Matt, I mean, one other thing and Kyle that, that a couple other things, I guess, you know, big picture storylines. COVID is obviously an issue right now. Michigan State uh, Pittsburgh are both down in Atlanta already. Um, and so far the game is on nowhere that it's not, but we've had a couple bowl games canceled. Uh, the college basketball schedule is just getting wrecked daily, um, with the, with the surges in Omicron and whatnot. Um, and I guess it's just like, uh, you know, when you look, when it for Michigan State and Pitt's purposes, I guess this is just another thing you kind of have to contend with uh, in preparations for this game. But I would guess from an operational standpoint, it's it's not really something that they're concerned with until they have to cross that road. Would you, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if things were as they were supposed to be, I would be part of this podcast from Atlanta. I was supposed to go fly down there uh, yesterday, but when they said all media would be virtual, you know, I'm flying out tomorrow. But Anyways, that's just one step. And I think, you know, I asked Mel about this yesterday um, and he said, you know, they're, you know, following the protocols set forth by the medical staff, noted the team's almost hundred percent vaccinated said they haven't had any substantial COVID issues this season. Um, Narduzi said just about the same thing while making the sign of the cross when he was first asked about the question. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows the deal you're, you're planning on playing until you're until something changes. Um You know, where if you were suddenly get a rash of positive cases and guys were unavailable, then, you know, that would change things. But uh, let's hope that isn't the case. Michigan State's schedule was uninterrupted in the regular season and, you know, just one more game to clear. And my God, hopefully next year, they never have to take part in another Zoom call press conference because they are (laughs) more than old, let me tell you.
2: Yeah, basketball is obviously in a more precarious situation, just because middle of the season, just starting conference play or full full conference play, I should say. Um, I, we're talking on Monday afternoon. All indications I have, I have is that Michigan State is active. You know, you worry about when you come back from being home for Christmas break. You that's why. Monday, if you've been paying attention, you've seen a ton of programs, cancel games, go on pauses because you go home, you see a bunch of family, you get COVID, you bring it back and you've got issues. Uh, Michigan State, my understanding is they're still planning to play Wednesday against High Point um, and, and they're good to go. I, my understanding of Michigan State is they were pretty proactive about getting boosters um, really before Omicron became a thing, um, pretty much when guys were eligible uh, I remember hearing, you know, back in November, that guys were starting to get boosters and we asked this the other day and he said they're. Uh, he pretty much said that they're all boosted. And, you know, my understanding of the science is that's really kind of the main indicator um, of, um, you know, are, are you, you going to be able to keep playing is how many of you guys are vaccinated and boosted, because that's going to either keep you from getting in- infected or frankly keep you from having symptoms. And if you don't have symptoms, you're not getting tested. Um, and it's a kind of a, Um, see no evil hear no evil speak no evil thing you know what I mean um, (laughs) because it's not like last year where you're testing everybody all the time you know you have to be you have to be sick and uh, Michigan State is fully vaccinated and boosted then they're not going to get sick and hopefully they're going to keep playing because I've hated to see the number of games we've seen canceled Um, I I do wonder if we get to the point where you change some of the CDC protocols as far as testing or isolation because um, If these, if none of these cases are severe at all, then um, I do worry about that. But that's probably a little bit down the line. But for now, it seems like Michigan State basketball is, fingers crossed, good to go. Could change by the time you hear this, but uh, that's that's <laughs> where it's at right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, and we can have a, a bigger discussion on you know COVID and how it's impacting sports and college sports in general. That would not um, be the um, problem at all. No, no, but I mean, just like you know, I, I do think there is you know this, we do need to analyze these policies. Like if you're going to make the decision to have a season. I feel like you have to have policies that make it possible to do so. (laughs) You can't really have it both ways. So that's a larger conversation and and we can probably have that at some point because it doesn't seem like it's going away, but yeah, Omicron combined with the holidays, that's a bad cocktail for trying to play sports right now. So hopefully uh, Michigan state can, can get through it. Uh, I mean, but we saw last year, almost every program had some sort of uh, break and we saw it really derail Michigan state when they had Mm -hmm. that 21 day break last year too. So Hopefully nothing like that happens because the team is playing at a really high level in terms of basketball right now. Um, but let's bring it back to football guys, Matt. We'll get to the on the field sort of X's and O stuff. I mean, I know you have some news though there to, to give us. So why don't you uh, just catch us up on some of the latest headlines since, cause we took last week off.
0: Uh, all right. We obviously touched on uh, Walker and Pickett, not playing in the bowl. Um, Bryce Berenger, punter from Michigan state is coming back for a sixth season. So that's of note. Um. They are planning. They are in the planning stage of Spartan Stadium upgrades uh, to the east side of the stadium. I sat through a trustees meeting uh, and whatever day that was, whatever, to Friday, not this past Friday, the Friday before. Um, Mel Cut- Tucker's contract was also officially um, approved, which was basically more of a formality than anything at that point. Um, and obviously more portal departures. So. I believe Cameron Allen, true freshman tight end uh, receiver, Ian Stewart and linebacker Cole DeMarzo entered the portal. Uh, Tyson Watson, another true freshman, a defensive lineman went in the portal um, on Christmas Eve. And also on Christmas Eve, uh, Michigan State running backs coach, William Piegler was hired to be the tight ends coach at Florida. So uh, it gives uh, Mel Tucker a second opening on his staff that he needs to fill after, uh, after the bowl game or, you know, whenever he said he's going to take his time, um, but there was a report, uh, actually a couple of national reports that um, Michigan State is attempting to hire Ephraim Reed, who was just <laughs> hired as the running backs coach at Georgia Southern after being spending the last couple of <laughs> seasons at Michigan State as a, as an analyst. So that would be an interesting uh, turn if that's what it ultimately does uh, happen
1: um, that is the living uh, definition of, like, a lot of people have been saying, you know, the, the Simpsons, you know, gif when Homer walks in, puts his hat on, or his dad, you know, puts the hat on the rack, puts it back on his Michigan State right now. Ephraim Reed, that is, that is what it is. I mean, the dude just left for Georgia Southern, and now they're trying to get him back, which is, uh, but what that tells me is this Piegler thing happened kind of quickly. I don't know, like, they weren't anticipating that. Well,
0: I mean, I, I'm not, I think I had heard rumors about that. I saw it out there that they were targeting him, um, you know, prior to that. And, and you know, William, he, you know, he has ties with Billy Napier who was just hired in November before Florida's new coach. You know, they worked together at Clemson, they worked together at uh, Louisiana. So, you know, he's, I, I can see where the fit is. If he wants to expand um, he hasn't been a tight ends coach in a while, but he has done it before. So he wants to maybe get some more responsibilities and, you know, working with a, uh, you know, somebody he he has a good relationship with, I, I understand, I get it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that they liked what he did. Obviously we saw the impact. I mean, Kenneth Walker deserves uh, some of the credit, I would say, uh, as obviously for his performance, in the run game, but that was a uh, Peegler's room and, you know, he's a pretty uh, active recruiter, you know, youngest guy on the staff. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he was a, he was a good addition that Mel made um, bringing him from Colorado and and now he's, uh, you know, taking another opportunity.
1: And then Behringer coming back, obviously huge news. He was a real weapon this year for Michigan state. thought he was being slept on for the punter award. And then the only other thing that caught my eye is just Cam Allen transferring out. I mean, we had heard Darian Harris was talking about him emerging and spring ball as a guy who seemed like he was fitting in nicely. He was all about Michigan state, you know, right from the jump and recruiting, uh, you know, big kid from Texas, but, uh, you know, I mean, they did bring in a couple uh, really, uh, by all accounts, solid tight ends this year, and I believe they are, you know, rated higher than him, and according to two four seven. So, not that that means anything when once you get into onto campus. But I was just surprised to see him go because he seemed like a a guy who was excited about being there and a really good culture fit, and he's a guy that Mel had brought in. I mean. Look at the, you know,
0: times change, modern era, you know, things move quickly. You know, you get to campus and you're there for almost a year and you don't, you think you could possibly find a better fit somewhere else and you get the free one-time transfer. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is. He he didn't appear in a game this year and, you know, Malik Carr is a merging guy and and I I don't know, maybe he just reads the room and, and sees, you know, Better opportunity elsewhere. That's all. I guess all I can really say about it. Nothing really, nothing in the uh, portal really surprises uh, me these days.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess that maybe answers the question I was going to ask you, which was that, I mean, a lot of these people that entered the portal, I don't think are huge names with fans, you know, maybe the hardcore recruit Knicks, but a lot of these guys hadn't been on the field a lot, but do any of them surprise? Did any of them surprise you a lot? Like, Oh, I thought that guy would stick around or, Oh, I think they would have really liked him. Yeah. I'm I'm getting a no from your look on your face right now.
0: I mean, (laughs) Not, I mean, not a ton, you know, there were guys, I mean, the guys that contributed the most, you know, Chase Klein and Kalen uh, Girvin, they went entered in September, the Girvin thing. I don't know. I mean, but they were guys who, were, who weren't getting the playing time they wanted Michael Dowell. You know, he was a guy that we've seen a lot in the field, but Darius Snow took over his spot after that. I mean, Trenton Gilson and Jack Hamper were the guys who were the biggest contributors really, um, both veteran guys, but, Gilson hadn't really played at a level that I guess a lot of people thought he was going to reach camper was just a rotational piece and injured for most of the season. So, um, I just, you know, and there isn't really anybody that I was really shocked by. I mean, if, when you see, I think it's four, four members of the 2021 signing class that have entered the portal, that number stands out, but you know, things happen.
1: Chase Klein ended up at Eastern, right? By the way, in case anyone yes. missed that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Um, Another guy going to the back. So, I, and that's the thing with people who are freaking out about transfers. Look where they end up. Look where they end up. That's all I'm going to say. I, I believe the destination is more telling than the departure. And I will always say that. And I've always believed that. So, uh, just settle down. There's going to be a lot of a lot of player movement in the brave new world of college football. Let's get on the field, Matt. I mean, obviously, coming into the game, the, you know, when, when you look at, you know, def, when Michigan State's on defense, at least, I think people were, you know, looking at Kenny Pickett, who's throwing all over the everybody this year against Michigan State's porous secondary. Uh, I mean, I know Michigan State's going to have some guys out, so maybe you want to mention them. But, um, you know, Kenny Pickett's not going to be there. I believe Nick Patty is the quarterback's name who's going to start for uh, for Pittsburgh. Did I get that right? Nick Patty. Um, mm-hmm. And he, uh, you know, he's played limited this year, just only 14 pass attempts. He's 12 for 14 for 140 yards. So that's probably in mop-up duty against, you know, Uh, In blowout games, but um, obviously he's not Kenny Pickett. So uh, a break for Michigan State in in that regard. So I mean, who do you look at the opt out affecting more? Like, do you think this is a bigger break for (laughs) Michigan State that they're not gonna have to face a Heisman Trophy finalist uh, with the suspect secondary? I mean, it's hard to say it's not helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you could certainly make the case that it's a bigger loss for for um, for Pittsburgh because there's your Heisman finalists that, that's sitting out, and you know they have a good run. Michigan State was going to be challenged to run the ball in the first place because Pittsburgh has a pretty good run defense. Now, you, like Mel said yesterday, you can't really replace a guy like like Kenneth, but you know they've got options. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, either way, it's the two biggest offensive weapons each team's biggest offensive weapon is, is now out of the game. So either way, it's a loss for both um, to go back to your original point about guys that are going to be out. Mel yesterday said, uh, Pavares Crouch and, and Tyler hunt are, are both, uh, doubtful. Um, and, and left tackle Jarrett horse is questionable. So, um, he didn't really get into anybody else. Didn't mention Jalen Naylor, Michigan state, just tweeted a photo of him in full uniform at practice. So we'll see. I think, um, I think, I, I think, the indication would seem like it's trending in that direction. I think he I – would, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays, to put it that way. Um, then you have the, the – what was interesting, sorry to get off track, but um, Mel announcing yesterday that the guys that have entered the portal since, um, since the end of the regular season, of the 13 that have entered the portal since then, Michael Dowell will not be playing in the game. Uh, neither will Ricky White or Michael Bradley, who were suspended before the season even began. But he said the other guys are all available, which is an interesting way to approach him. But uh, either way, that's the way he's doing it. Um, but anyways, <laughs> as far as Pickett um, and versus uh, Patty, we talked to uh, Patty today. Um, he, you know, believes that, you know, he has one start in his career when he was a redshirt freshman. He's now, that was two years ago. Uh, he believes he is, uh, you know, a completely different quarterback since then. You know, just from sitting there and learning and, and watching um, from Pickett. Um, he's confident. His, his teammates have confidence in him. He thinks it might even be a little bit of an advantage for him to not have the ta- that much tape out there. You mentioned, you know, what, 12 or 14 or whatever um, he is this season for 140 yards. It, maybe that is an advantage, but, but, you know, there's still, they're not going to wildly change the offense, even though, you know, their offensive coordinator left, you know, they're going to probably, you know, they'll still run the same stuff. You'd think for the most part, although Pickett was a little bit of a a better runner um, and you still have Jordan Edison out there. So, uh, to, to get to the point, we don't know really what we're going to see from Patty, but the guy is a veteran. It's not like they're putting in some true freshman who has never been doesn't have any experience. This guy's been there for four. years. This is his fourth year. You know, I, I think he can come in and operate the offense. What kind of drop off will there be from Pickett? I, I, there will be, I'm sure, um, but how much I don't know. And then from Michigan State, how much of a drop off will there be from Walker to either you know Elijah Collins, Jordan Simmons, or you know or anybody else they go to in the backfield?
1: And you mentioned, I mean, the cupboard is far from bare for Pittsburgh. I mean, they have Jordan Addison, he won the Balitnikov Award this year. 93 catches uh 1479 yards and 17 touchdowns averaged almost 16 yards a catch uh this guy's electric he can line up all over the field if you if you haven't watched a lot of acc football you might not know who he is but uh he can run all the routes he can make all the plays out there would expect to see him uh heavily involved in the game plan and then in terms of running it's really uh you know they, they use three guys but i would say it's mostly vincent davis who has 550 yards rushing on 130 carries and four touchdowns. And Israel Kanda, who has 635 yards on 118 carries and seven touchdowns. They also work in Rodney Hammond Jr. has 492 yards rushing. And Pickett was also a threat running, but uh, he's obviously not playing in the game. So I'm not sure how mobile Patty is. I haven't really seen his tape, but it's sort of a two-headed monster in the run game. Michigan State has fared okay against the run this year. So, uh, I mean – it's really just going to be about who the heck can guard Jordan Addison because we've seen, you know, David Bell, Jackson Smith, and Jay Garrett, wilson Chris Alave. Uh, when when Michigan State's had to go up against uh, Charleston Rambo, when Michigan State has had to go up against uh, higher-tier receivers, they've had serious issues. Um, and It's going to be interesting to see how they try and contain Jordan Addison.
0: Yeah, um, uh, Scotty Hazleton this morning said basically when they first go to look at an opponent, they start with, the scary stuff uh, said something to that effect. Um, Basically, you know, your explosives and, and that's where, you know, it starts with Addison. Uh, He, you know, I think that Michigan state has, has, has obviously had the past defense problems, but as you mentioned, some of the, some of the guys they faced this season, um, they faced some of the top receivers in the nation. And, you know, when you look at that, you know, um, Xavier Henderson today said he thinks the secondary has something to prove. Um, you know, not just to other people, but to themselves, they, you know, show that they can put together a game and, you know, thinks if you can, you know, if that can happen, you know, that, you know, that's obviously something that can catapult Michigan state in, into next season. If you get some positivity out of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the guy you're going to have to stop. Everybody knows it and, and Pitt plans on putting the ball in his hands as much as they can. Um, so we'll see how that matchup works out, uh, but obviously going to be a challenge for Michigan state.
1: Do we have any indication if the, the guys who were banged up in the secondary, Ronald Williams, Chuck Branley, Kimbrough, I mean, obviously they've had a break. So you would think that they're healthier than they were before. But uh, as Mel mentioned, anything about those guys, I know he's notoriously stingy with injury information. I'm surprised he told you anything, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, him mentioning um, Crouch and Hunt and Horst yesterday. Those were the only three guys he brought up. And he said, basically, you know, everybody else is trying to play. Um, so As far as those guys, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Xavier, you know, has had time to rest up his, uh, you know, from his own shoulder injury. And then obviously you got Brantley with, I think that was his shoulder. Um, Williams is the back. So I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll find out on on Thursday night who's available and who's actually going to play, but um, obviously they've had the opportunity to get healthier over the last month.
1: And if you flip it to the other side, when Michigan state's on offense, no Kenneth Walker, Uh, obviously Michigan state, not Jay Johnson, not going to give up on the run. That's been their bread and butter all year. You know, Harold probably going to see some combination of uh, Elijah Collins, Jordan Simmons and Harold Joyner is what I would guess. But uh, you know, we mentioned that they could get Jalen Naylor back by all indications, Jaden Reed will be out there, you know, Connor Hayward at H uh, back tight end weapon. So Michigan state still has some weapons on offense. Uh, but I mean, Pitt has been vulnerable against the pass. I would say this year. I mean, if you look at their two losses, uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, who was a first year starter, went for 426 and three for Miami Caleb Ellaby for Western Michigan, 337 and three. So, uh, I mean, in their losses, they struggled to, they were both shootouts to a certain extent. Michigan state has shown an ability to score points this year and they have weapons in the pass game, especially if Jalen Naylor comes back. So, I mean, running the ball has been the bread and butter all year, the run to set up the pass, but do you think we could see maybe a little more pass heavy game plan from Jay Johnson in this game?
0: Absolutely, you know. I thought that even before, even before Kenneth Walker opted out of the game, you know that was. I mean, if you look at for a defensive weakness for Pittsburgh, it is like you mentioned through the through the air. And Michigan State has has weapons there. Peyton Thorn is a very good quarterback. You know, Reed. Obviously, we know what he can do. And, and if Naylor's back, that's you know that makes a big difference. So I would not be surprised at all if if Pey- if uh, Peyton Thorn sets a career high for the number of passes attempted in in this game. Uh, you know that I just. And we you know, and you look at the you know, Jay's had a month to prepare for this game too. So I mean, I would expect to see some some new stuff from from them.
1: I should have watched the the tape of the Western Michigan game. I remember watching the Miami game and seeing. You know, that, I think that might have been Van Dyke's one of his first starts, and he's been he's been huge for them. Like I think Michigan State's lucky they didn't have to play Tyler Van Dyke uh, when they were down in Miami. But uh, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering how the heck they lost to Western Michigan, man. Like Western was a is a good MAC team, but as we've seen in bowl season, the Mac is not good this year. I mean, they're getting, they're losing almost every game. I guess they're housing Nevada, but like just weird to think that the ACC champions lost to a Mac team and it's one of their only losses this year. And I guess if you're a Michigan state fan, you can look at that and be like, is this team really that good? Are they really a top 15 team? I mean, cause like, I don't know, man, you lose to a Mac team. How good can you be?
0: I mean, I, I have watched the whole tape of that game. I remember when it happened. Uh, I think that was the same weekend as the uh, uh, Michigan State-Miami game, if I remember that right. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it, things happen, they, and they were able to rebound from what could be, you know, you lose early in the season at home to a MAC program. You know, things can go south in a hurry, but credit to uh, Pat and his guys for putting it together and, and winning their first uh, ACC title.
2: The, the flip right. side of that to me, though, is that their other non-conference game, the other big one, they went and beat a, what I thought was a decent Tennessee team on the road you know, SEC. Yeah. So um, that would be the other side of it, I guess.
1: Weird. It's just college football. What am I doing? It's freaking, it's college <laughs> sports, man. Like what am I doing? Acting like weird stuff doesn't happen all the time. Let's see anything about anything else about this game that you guys find interesting or of note. I mean, any, do you have any hunches about how this might play out? Like you know, big special teams play, maybe shifting things or uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting matchup on paper. I, I mean, people are expecting points. Yeah, I mean,
0: I would I would be su- very surprised if the game was in, was played in the teens or twenties. I mean, Pitt's top five offense in the nation in, in, in you know total yards and scoring. Michigan State's showing the ability to put up points as well. So uh, you'd be playing indoors, nice controlled environment on the turf. So yeah, I'd expect points to be scored. And so more the game than in the thirties.
1: Who do you think wins?
0: I picked State to win, and I picked him to cover. Uh, I can't remember what the score was thirty something. The 30, maybe 34, 30, 34, 31.
1: It was something like that. Give me the Spartans 35, 27.
2: Yeah, I'll say, I'll say,
1: uh, 41, 35 Michigan state. I've got a covering too. All right. Well, there you go. It'll be fun. Uh, I'll be down there in Atlanta enjoying the uh, the festivities. Uh, I hear they've got. uh, I hear the Falcons owner um, made everything super cheap for fans once you're in the stadium. So uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, So that'll be interesting, Arthur Blank. That's our guy. Um, So that'll be fun. I've never been to that stadium before. It looks awesome on TV. So it's pretty new. So that'll be cool to go to and and check out. Um, But it's uh, it's on Thursday. It's coming up. Hopefully the game is played, right? Like more than anything, can we just get a game in, please? Can we just get this game? And if it's going to be canceled, can it be before Matt and I are down in Atlanta? Maybe Uh, that would be great. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Kyle will stay on the basketball. We'll have more basketball coverage uh, as we get into the Big Ten season and we get past the bowl game. We'll obviously keep an eye on the COVID situation across all of sports as well. But we appreciate you listening. If you could please, again, like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Check out our work on MLive.com Spartans. And hit us up with your questions and comments. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. Hope everyone's getting ready for New Year's. And uh, this week, hopefully, uh, if you're a Spartan fan, you're hoping for victory. So thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll see you in Atlanta. Go Green!